Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, our two home improvements. Scott Mosby, we are just having a wonderful time in the neighborhood. This is the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. I am yours at your service. And Bosco back here is my little gerbil. He has a treadmill. He runs around in the corner. Amazingly so, he turns out 50,000 watts. A little bit of help from Amarin. Every now and again, he, you know, he takes a wind breather. We're a little bit of a break at the top of the hour. Anyway, that's where our power comes from. We broadcast, blow it out through you, through a tower out in Illinois, right to your house. <laughs> right? The magic of all that, you know? Who could imagine that? We have 10 phone lines here as well for you to call, ask questions, try and stump me, although that's not really a big issue because I just say, I don't know. And then I turn it around to the, all the listeners and somebody out there in the thirty to 50,000 people listening, they know. So it's a pretty good thing right here. And that's why I call it the University of KMOX because the multi-diversity of knowledge sources within the whole listening audience, yeah, you put us all together, we're pretty smart. Yeah. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Lots of things happening. I'm Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We are licensed architects, licensed plumbers, licensed electricians, all that stuff. Uh, ar architects as well as carpenters. We have a painting crew. Um, anything that didn't work. So the, the, here's the business model. Um, if it didn't work and somebody kind of messed it up, we started doing it. Doing it. You know, that... And and sometimes if if it doesn't happen quick enough, for example, right bath, we have a right bath, which is pretty much like a five to seven day complete gut bath remodel. Um, well, our slowest resource is the inspections because um, they don't necessarily they show up sometime in the a.m. or the p.m. Um, they work with us very well, I will say. But some of those things and, and really, you know, uh, we will move so quickly that scheduling sometimes requires that we have our own trades on staff. So that's kind of how that happened. Um, but we are vertically integrated, which means we've got most of the labor, materials, supplies, equipment, tools, design, skills, code knowledge, uh, troubleshooting, as you can well tell, that, you know, because we've been around the block for 70-something years. Um, you know, the crude description of that is we've messed everything up so much for so long that we've, we kind of run out of mess-ups, and it's called experience, and but that you know that's the crude description of what is experience. It's like well, you already messed it up so much, you're pre-disastered. Uh, you know, we're humans; we still have our problems like anybody else. But what we do with it is, with the analysis, you know, we fess up, we back up, and we fix it up. Um, anyway, three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's talk to somebody cool. How about? Um, Let's talk to Jackie. She's been waiting. Jackie Scott Mosby here. Thank you for your patience. Hey, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, I got a quick question is I have eight sections of driveway concrete. Uh-huh. And down each section, I'm taking, it's a two by, I want to say a two by four. I don't know what's underground on each section. Okay. And, and they're starting to rot out. Would yep. you recommend in pulling them out and replacing them? And if so, with what? Um, are they really about an inch and a half wide? Are they truly two by fours big? Are they that wide? Yes. Okay. Well, 
if they were one buys, then three quarters of an inch, then I typically prefer caulking where you put a self-leveling caulk, you know, pull the wood out, fill it with a backer rod, put a self-leveling caulking in there, and then dust some dry sand of the proper color to match the concrete. But an inch and a half wide caulk joint, man, no matter how you dress that up, it's hard to get away with. Your, I, my advice to you is put in either, uh, w- remove it, uh, replace it with the wood 2x4, or better yet, see if you can get a um, 6 quarter, which is another hardwood slang for uh, inch and a half wide, something like an AZEK, A-Z-E-K, which is a plastic wood, or something that doesn't have any cellulose fibers in it, uh, you're going to have to really kind of glue and caulk that in place anyway, um, and it's 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 very time-consuming. Uh, sometimes you have to custom shave, or in, in carpentry terms, scribe it to the exact shape of the opening and kind of pound it in there as well, uh, but an inch and a half wide joint. I think needs a non-caulk solution. A non-caulk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can caulk it and and put the the uh, sand on it. Man, it it's just uh, that it doesn't have enough structural uh, integrity at an inch and a half wide for that caulk to last long enough to matter. That's what I kind of thought. It's just. Yeah, too wide. Yeah, three quarters of an inch it does well because those plates move a lot. And you'll find it's they probably are two by fours. Uh, they were likely wed, redwood or cedar when they were put in. And uh, my advocating for an artificial material, something that doesn't rot, I would not put a treated lumber in there uh, because it it's usually very wet uh, because they literally pressure they bury it in in a vat of liquid and they pressure inject this stuff and it gets really wet so a year year and a half later they really shrink and they'll they'll just get too small so i would use something if you can in uh, in an artificial wood and stay away from anything that has cellulose um in recycled content it's it's pretty much a pvc or you know azec type product that i would advocate okay Thank you very much. Okay, Jackie. Yeah, that stuff's expensive, too. It's uh, it's golden wood, and uh, it's priced like golden wood. So, you know, you'll have to hold your nose when you write the check. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care, Jackie. Bye now. Uh-huh. Bye. There we go. A little bit of experience. Um, first off, I love concrete. Uh, second off, I love beautiful concrete. You know, thus the B&W concrete ads that I do. Um, I don't like ugly concrete. And those expansion joints, I mean, you can mess up a really good driveway with ugly expansion joints or control joints. So, you know, there there's art and there's craft and sometimes there's a really good looking craft. And then there's the stuff that gets into the art and that's really fun. Um, anyway, let's, uh, do, well, you know what? Let's fine. do a little business. I'll be back. Scott Mosby here. Bosco needs a break. I'm going to take him outside just to have, give him a walk a little bit. He needs a, you know, he's, he's out of breath. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are off and running. Hey, how about those Cardinals? Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, tonight, 7, 10 p.m., the Cards versus the Colorado Rockies right here on KMOX. And then the Missouri Lottery Clubhouse postgame show, Alex Ferrario following the ball game and the Lottery Clubhouse, Route 66, Johnny Rabbit, our own, the one and only, 
Johnny Rabbit, right here in St. Louis. Let's see what's cooking here with the phones. And, oh, we've got Dennis. Hey, Dennis, thanks for your patience. Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, sir? Hi, Scott. Appreciate your program. I have a ranch-style home that was extensively remodeled about seven years ago. The front door was replaced, and the new door is fiberglass construction with decorative glass in the center of it. Okay. I had originally thought that the door would probably be painted. The contractor that was doing the remodeling work said, no, it could be stained. The problem is the stain on the interior portion of the door looks fine and has held up well. The exterior portion, within about six months of the door being hung, has flaked and just continues to flake. I'm thinking that the door probably needs to be removed, stripped, and painted, but I didn't know if you knew of another product. The stain makes it look more like a a wood grain finish. Yes. Where the paint wouldn't, of course, but uh, I need something that's going to hold up then it's not stained. That's that's the issue. Those doors, when they're properly stained, and if it didn't make it six months, uh, something was wrong, they didn't clean that door. Fiberglass, uh, is uh, if it's got the wood grain and the one I'm thinking, with the right paint craftsman, I mean, this is the guy that gets real close to art, um, that door can look like wood and can last three to four years. But about five years, there is no stain. That clear coat, the ultraviolet light just chews that stain up. And now that you're into that cycle, you can strip that door. You can strip it in place. You have to be very careful and uh, thorough. Uh, it's time-consuming, pricey because of the time, and it can be restained. But you're not going to last more than another three or four years, especially if it faces west. Uh, Those doors in direct sunlight on east or west facing or even south, um, they are gorgeous. They do what they say. They just don't last because those clear coats uh, don't resist the ultraviolet light, Dennis. And to really resist that UV, you need solids. You need a paint that has chunks of solids. So most of the now paints have what's called high solid, which means chunks of stuff already floating around in the paint so that when it gels and cures, it basically, um, you know, you've got almost uh, aggregates suspended or, or held in that paint. So paint will last, won't look nearly as good as the stain. Uh, the stain can be replaced and effectively done, but you're looking for a short list of craftsmen around in the sound of my voice, and it, it just, just won't last, but it, it can be as pretty as it was before. Okay, thank you. A second question for you. I have an asphalt shingle roof. I'm thinking that in the future, when I replace the existing roof, that I would do so with metal, and also I'm considering the idea of adding solar panels. Mm -hmm. Not being intimately knowledgeable about either process, 
is it something where the two can be done simultaneously or should one be done first? Oh, man. In other words, should your solar panels be put on first and then have the the metal roof installed or vice versa? Well, number one, you are asking the right question at the right time, and the answer is already in your question. They have to be done together. The good news is a metal roof can last a very long time. Uh, if they do it right, that roof will last and be effectively good a long time. The weak point in any roof, especially in metal roofs, are the penetrations, which means the wires, the holes, and how and where those get run. Um, so, frankly, um, how that metal gets installed, which metal profile gets along best with the solar panels, and then just the aesthetics, the sheer looks of those solar panels. So the answer is all at one time, um, and you may need a general contractor. You may need somebody who will run the three to four different trades. You've got electrical. You're going to have to uh, work with the utility, Amron perhaps, uh, the metal roof uh, installer as well as the profile color and a choice of brand and supplier, um, how many panels you want, how many you can tolerate from us. I mean, how ugly is it? So you have to be careful. There are some communities in the United States that prohibit solar panels because they just don't look good. So you, you've got to balance all that. And that may even take a designer to be part of it to pattern out how those go. And then you've got the solar contractor as well. So that, there are a lot of moving parts um, it will be as gratifying as you think it is, but it'll also be like childbirth. It'll be tougher than you think it is. <laughs> How's Thanks. that? Appreciate the information. Thank you. Okay, Dennis, take care. Uh, I am a fan of metal roofs. I am a fan of composite roofs that last 50. I mean, there are roof materials that last a long time. So a composite roof can't necessarily, well, that you can't get them to last 50 years. Yes, you can, but they're very heavy. They're usually very thick, uh, and they cost a lot like a metal roof going in the first time. So, um, and I, they're standing seam metal roofs. There are uh, uh, um, soldered copper flat roofs, uh, membrane flat roofs. There are the tile shape metal. So, I mean, when I hear metal roof, that narrows it down to about 30 different choices, profiles, and another 60 colors. So, but, you know, I, I come from that place. So anyway, you're welcome to call Mosby if you'd like, but this is a, a pretty good sized job. And if you do not approach it, uh, Dennis, from a general contractor, um, getting a, an orchestra conductor to be responsible, coordinate, and connect all those dots, then you're going to have some really fine contractors kind of run around in circles. If you can imagine an orchestra with all the, you know, the musicians facing different directions without coordination, working on the sheet music, but they can't see each other. You, you get some pretty interesting sounds, and it's certainly not an orchestra. So that, you know, the conductor does bring flavor or not. Uh, anyway, let's see what's cooking here and go with Judy. Hey, Judy, Scott here. How you doing? Happy hour, too. How can I help? Hi, um, I am working with um, some stamped concrete. We had a stamped concrete patio installed in our backyard, uh -huh. and we've tried to seal it a couple of times, and now both times it is getting really cloudy, especially in the sunny areas. After we, stained, after we sealed it the first time, my husband used some 
I don't know, some acidy stuff that we had to like scrub on there. So we did that. And then we're hoping, you know, that our cloudy problem was gone, but then we sealed it again and the cloudy problem has returned. I have more pain on this issue than you can imagine. (laughs) Judy, it is moisture. And even if the concrete was done perfectly and it is properly sealed, if you have a wet substrate, if moisture gathers underneath that concrete, especially the sun, will cook it up like a big steam cleaner and the steam will come right through that concrete like it does and fog the moisture between your nice new clear surface and that nice beautiful concrete so you could have good sealer successfully applied good concrete successfully installed. If you don't get the moisture, identify it as a problem before the concrete goes in. Um, It's pretty rough. So you really have to go in with your eyes wide open. Um, So you will need to strip that sealer off and you may even need to try a different sealer that isn't so effective that allows that moisture to pass through that clear coat, top coat. Uh, It's a big deal, Um, and we've been involved on this just as consultants trying to figure it out after the fact like this on somebody else's work. We've also done some really phenomenal concrete work only to find out that there was a spring underneath there, and we had the same thing. Where we backed off to is we pretty much had to sandblast the finish off um, and clean up the concrete, restain it again almost like a faux finish, and then use an acid-type sealer on it that allowed that moisture to come through we could never stop that moisture yeah so an acid type sealer yeah just be, keep okay. in mind there there's there you know a, it's not really a sealer because it's poor it lets the moisture in and the moisture out you know so right uh but what you're so, trying to do with that sealer is put a sheet of plastic over it and it'll just fog i mean it makes perfect sense we really do have a very wet backyard it's yeah. flat and we are the yard that all the other subdivision yards drain to you know we have the water thing yeah, in yeah. our backyard we're the ones yeah so that makes a lot of sense and especially where it's at so you said sandblasted off i mean that was i mean this is when they installed it if i can remember it correctly i mean the color oh, goes yeah. all the way through the concrete yep. so like we we could sand this right? I mean, we'll lose our stain that like the black stain that's kind of in the grooves and it's supposed to make it look nice. Yeah. But you could actually sand this, correct? To get those areas off and do a different sealer over it? Well, the reality is those sealers are very high quality, uh, you know, and the concrete is, is pretty new. So you're getting a really good bond and a very effective seal, thus the fogging. So you've got to strip that clear coat, that high-quality clear coat off. So we use paint strippers on it, messes up the pH, and you get it off. Some of that paint, that color comes off that stamped concrete. So now, you know, and it's the concrete guys that do it the first time, you're looking more for faux-finishing painters to apply the stain the second. You know, you're pretty much painting Mm -hmm. on a canvas instead of stamping wet concrete. So it's... it's, um, it's a big deal, uh, you know, and, and B&W has done a bunch of this incredible stuff for us. And, and it's the seal. Anyway, but uh, we've actually sandblasted some off because after you try and strip it two or three times, you have to kind of start all over and rebuild that finish up from the ground, you know, from the raw concrete. Yeah. You know, it's well, a big it deal. Makes sense. I mean, it's nice to know that you're like, we've done what we were supposed to do and everybody else did too. But if you don't realize how much moisture you have coming up, 
Yeah. That's just, that's the killer. So BMW might, or someplace like that might be a place to call to get further kind of professional advice. Yeah. The problem is, is they don't really want to jump onto somebody else's sinking ship, you know, so, but they do have the knowledge and the skills to do this. Um, and, and frankly, you know, we've been thrown out of some of the best houses in the world, you know, because we wanted to raise the concrete up and put, you know, $20,000 of drainage pipe underneath the concrete. No, you're just too expensive. Well, right. Yeah, we are. (laughs) But yeah, it's a problem. Well, thank you. You've really been helpful. I appreciate it. All right, Judy. Thanks. Take care. Good luck. You're going to need it. Thank you. All right. Bye now. There you go. Some of the experience of uh, all of this and, and, you know, it's always fun. What can I say? Hey, we've got a little help maybe here. See what we've got. Hey, Steve, uh, Scott Mosby here, KMOX. Do I understand you've got a suggestion for us? Hello, Steve. You were on. Did I put you to sleep, man? Oh, no, no, no. I'm here. I I, uh, actually have a question about uh, lead paint abatement. Okay. How can I help you, my friend? All right, so here's the situation. My girlfriend's aunt passed away a little over a year ago. She has a 95-year-old home in Webster Groves. Uh We know that the stairs leading down to the basement and the doors that are in the basement were painted with lead paint, lead-based paint, uh, several years ago. Okay. Uh, We actually bought one of the test kits and verified that on the stairs and also on the doors. The problem we have right now is that the realtor who uh, we are going to be using to sell the home wants the color in the wall uh, in the basement on the walls to be uh, consistent. There's like three or four different colors down there. Uh-huh. The problem is that we're pretty sure that there's lead-based paint that was originally put on what I'm assuming is going to be plaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, moisture has bubbled or uh, caused the uh, the surface uh, in areas in the basement. To actually uh, bubble up to the point where, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exposing all the way down actually to the aggregate, which I'm assuming maybe it was plaster over concrete. I really don't know. So the problem we have with this situation is that uh, you obviously cannot paint directly over the top of this stuff because the paint's not going to stick. It's just going to come right off. And I I know that with lead-based paint, uh, 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 sealing it, uh, there's there's a whole lot of environmental issues and health issues right. uh, with respect to how you handle it. So what I wanted to ask you was, what is the what is the remedy for this? Is this basically dealing with just the particular areas where you have bond bonding issues, or is it the entire the entire basement? It would need to be addressed. Uh, well, first off, it's a lead paint abase, b- abatement contractor or hazardous waste. An unoccupied house is perfect for that. Um, they will have to go in and pull that flake off. So what painters normally do in surface prep, the abatement guys have to do. After that, you then co- can go over and paint over the existing good stuff that's stuck. But the encapsulation, which is basically repainting over it, you may need to skim coat some plaster over that existing scaled area. Uh, but I promise everything in that Webster house has lead-based paint on it. I, I've seen people make lead-based paint. They start with a bag of lead dust and, uh, and mineral spirits, and they start mixing up, and they make... That's the way decorators used to do it. There were painters and mm-hmm. decorators, and, you know, that's where the painting and decorating union... Those guys used to make their paint on site and match the color to whatever Mr. and Mrs. Smith wanted. Well, that's back when, you know, there wasn't a you know, Sherwin-Williams. So they made their paint. So your house is, everything before 1972 has lead all over it. Whether or not it's been covered by other paint that encapsulates it and separates it from you and me, that's the issue. But you're going to start with a 
uh, hazardous waste abatement contractor get all that stuff out loose anywhere. You know, at Mosby, we the first thing we do is we get those guys in. Before the job starts, they knock all that stuff out. Then we clean up, close up, and test out so that the demo part of the job is over and it's cleaned up. And then we come in and do oh. the remodeling or painting. So it's a two-stage process. One is, you know, you handle all the nasties, close that job phase, you know, do whatever. And then you come in and do regular uh, type remodeling. Gotcha. So is, is there anyone in particular, any company in particular that you recommend for this sort of work that's in the St. Louis area that would actually be able to come in, do an evaluation and actually complete that work all the way up to doing the abatement part? Oh, sure. Uh, please call my office. We keep track of these guys all the time and refer them out. Um, we've got several that have stayed with us for a long time. They just seem to do the right thing. So uh, rather than giving that name on the air, I, I just give our office uh, 314-909-1800 and uh, say you're looking for a referral on a, a lead contractor. Uh, and that's different than a lead safe remodeler. This is lead abatement. You know, this is the big sure. deal. Sure. And may I ask you one more question to ask time? Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you tell me what your experience or your opinion is of Velux sun tunnels? Oh, I like them. I, I love the Velux sun tunnels. I love uh, Velux is the top of the line. If you're going to stick a hole in your roof, you better get a good brand. So don't buy, you know, the middle and down part of the product line. Um, there's, um, but th basically it's a bubble on your roof with a highly polished stainless steel flue pipe that reflects the light and literally pipes that light down into the inside of the house. Uh, we use them at Mosby quite a bit. Uh, we don't use them any more than we have to. There are specific applications. They're, they're worth about 100 watt to 150 watt light bulb per sun tunnel or uh, Velux. There's a few, two or three different brands and, and it's a specialty. So yeah, love sure. them. Okay, well, now I have three skylights in my home, and, and they're the original from 1982, and uh, I hate them, so I want to replace them, and that's why I wanted to get your opinion on that. So I'm, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to ask you. I love your show. I love your website as well. Thank you very much. Okay, Steve. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Campbell X at your service. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. We are off and running. Let's go right back to the phone lines. Before then, I'm inviting you. Call in. Join us. 436-7900-314, excuse me, 314-436-7900. Toll free, 800-925. That little pocket question you had for me and... I'll call him one of these days. Well, today's that day. Let's get to the phone and see what's happening here with Jerry. Hey, Jerry, welcome to CAMOX, my friend. Good Saturday morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, I had uh, the mold problem on the roof and also on the concrete and side of the house and all that. Yeah. You And used to use uh, my... Uh, uh, yeah, listen to your phone, not your radio. That uh, They're yeah. seven seconds apart. Yeah, I understand. Okay. But any, anyway, there's a product called Wet and Forget. Oh, I've heard of that. Wet and... You can you can use it in your your uh, pump sprayer. You mix it three to one and just spray it on, and the sun and the rain takes care of it. Wow. And they got a new they got a new one out now for your roof, and it's a little more expensive. You just hook it on your hose, and it'll spray up to 35 feet 
on your roof or on the side of your house or whatever, and uh, just spray it on there and forget it. Oh, hey, Jerry, spell that for us. Wet. Wet, W-E-T. Wet and forget. Wet and forget. There we go. Yep. All right. I've been using this stuff for five, six years, and it's just great. Oh, man. Thank you. Yeah, it the the gallon uh, that you mix in your hose end sprayer is twenty five dollars, and I think the hose end one is like thirty five. But it takes all the work out of everything. Wow! Wow! Very cool. Hey, thanks, brother. Hey. I I needed the help. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right, Jerry. Bye now. There we go. Jerry is advocating wet w e t and a n d or n. Forget, wet and forget. I've heard this before. Somebody, I, th- I think, called on the radio show earlier, and uh, uh, I can't remember everything, but wet and forget. I have heard of this, and I've heard that it's good. So um, anyway, that, that'll get us going. Uh, let's see what's happening here and talk with D. Hey, D. Scott here. How can I help you? Yes, I would like to know if you could recommend someone that would take up my uh, wall-to-wall carpeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, What are you going to do with it then? Well, I have hardwood floors under it. Okay. And and also they have to take off that strip, I think, that they tack the carpeting down with. Yes, yes. There will be uh, thousands of holes because the carpet pad underneath those carpets, D, gets stapled to the hardwood. So there will be... A lot of holes. Generally, the hardwood floor refinisher that does that wants to remove the carpet because they use a different kind of knife that doesn't score up. If uh, I've seen this happen before where demolition people will come in, just slice up the carpet, and they wind up slicing right into the hardwood floor so deeply that it causes a problem for the the hardwood floor refinish guys. So the the better hardwood floor guys want to pull up the carpet themselves. To, to keep from making their job even harder or impossible to perform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would offer uh, some hardwood floor people. Uh, please call my office. We'll be glad to refer folks that can do the hardwood and remove the carpet for you as well. Thank you so very much. It's uh, 314-909-1800. Uh, 314-829-909. Wait, wait. It is. 314-909-909-1800. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, D. Thanks for calling. Home improvement, uh, and there it's it's kind of silly. I mean, uh, we get involved in you know some pretty comprehensive home recreations, if you will, small projects to big projects. Uh, we do custom work where sky's the limit; anything goes. Walls move, plumbing moves, everything. You know, old floors, all floor elevations line up. But you know, when you want it just right, that's what it takes. Uh, we also have a semi-custom. 
service where uh, typically uh, our right bath and right kitchen, they're pretty uh, fast in terms of how the execution goes, the streamlined design process, but it simplifies. We go to, you know, typically what are the top five sinks that everybody picks, what are the top five faucets, so we limit that selection. So that's the difference between custom and semi-custom. But as it relates to uh, Dee's question on hardwood floors, um, the hard, I mean, it's hard for to hear a hardwood guy say, oh, no, nobody touches the carpet but me. Like, wow. Well, if you've seen why, um, if you've seen Mo, Larry, and Curly come in on a demolition crew and slice up carpeting and the carpet gets removed and it's very effective and it disappears and they roll it up and they demo that stuff out, no worries, no problems. Then the hardwood guys come in and they look at the gashes, the scores from those sharp knives that cut up that carpet and what it did to the hardwood below. And those guys, you know, their 25-hour job just turned into a 75-hour job that includes replacing 200 square feet of actual hardwood material because it got damaged so badly by the demolition guys. Kind of interesting. So, you know, you keep your eyes wide open or eyes wide shut either way. But the more you know, the more you ask, and the slower you go to make things go just right. Uh, anyway, hey, uh, speaking of which, we've got some remodeling seminars here. CallMosby.com is our website, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y. Coming up in September is a custom bathroom, which means pretty much whatever you want it to be, it can be. Uh, I imagine they will also get into the right bath, just allude to that, on the semi-custom, which is a much a more abbreviated, uh, less costly situation, faster to execute. And then October, it gets into lower levels. So September, custom bathrooms, October, lower levels. Check it out on the seminar portion of callmosby.com. Scott Mosby here. Take a little pause. Come right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, wrapping up Hour 2 Home Improvement. Rick Edelman coming up next right here on KMOX at 1 o'clock. 3 o'clock following Rick, we've got the uh, business of family business. Ryan Ricker comes in for that conversation. And then Fred Bottomer here with the Health Matters at 4 p.m. presented by SSM Health. And then uh, KMOX Profiles at 5 on to the Ameren pregame access, uh, a pregame show with Alex Ferrario. And the guests will be Mike Schilt, Kyle McClellan, more people from the Cards and right into the Cards and Rockies games tonight. Man, how about those Cardinals? Whoa, yeah. Mike Schilt uh, seems to have some magic there. Uh, um, how about Matt Adams? There's a big city back in the big city. Uh, let's see what's cooking here and go with, uh, how about Mark? Hey, Mark, good morning or good afternoon. How can I help, sir? Can I help yeah, Scott, Mark. Um, yeah. I have uh, about a 62-year-old home, and I was up in the attic and noticed uh, the sheeting on the roof is only half-inch plywood. Uh-huh. And when I go out, when I've been up on the roof from the outside cleaning gutters, I man, you can notice the flexing in between the uh, rafters when you're walking around up there. Is it possible just to add an additional half inch of sheeting the next time I get a roof removed and replaced? Oh, or is that... Yeah. No, it's not uncommon. Um, it, it is possible you strip the roof down to the plywood and then you put right. new plywood over. It may indeed be three-eighths plywood. There was a time um, around usually in the 70s, you know, where plywood was getting expensive and, you know, they, mm-hmm. we hadn't gone to the OSB, the chipboard yet. And, right. you know, there were some three-eighths. So that stuff, 
sometimes there's there's three ply three eighths, and then there's four ply three. So I mean, there's yeah. you know, there's all kinds of qualities or thickness. But you betcha. And, and when uh, if you have an insurance problem and it's uncovered that there's only three-eighths-inch plywood on the roof, then part of that insurance claim is includes putting the half-inch plywood over that existing three-eighths. But it tends to be a wrestling match with the insurance company. They, they don't right. like that. Right. But as far as a weight issue, I mean, just to add an extra half-inch of OSB um, on top of that, that that's not going um, and to – and then the shingles, that's not too much weight for oh. the existing – wood rafters not a bit mark i mean and in, in terms of st louis and two feet of ice that or water, snow yeah. that turns into you know four inches of yeah those roofs are pretty well built uh as my okay. dad would say they're built for stout right okay great thank you very much okay mark take care and then uh, the only issue that we get into on some of those roofs and sheathing and such is where you put uh, sometimes uh, solar water preheaters where you have water or tanks on the roof. That can be quite a handful. Let's see what's cooking with my friend Jack. Hey, Jack, uh, right here at the end of the show, how can I help? Hey, bud. Yeah. I've got a friend that I got a friend that's got a room that he wants to split uh -huh. with a partition, and he's got carpeting in it, which he says is good. He doesn't want to. He's talking about pulling the carpet to put the wall down. I told him I don't think there's any reason to do that. Just double-check the the distance of your roof joist and your floor joist. And you can – I would pre-drill the bottom plate and screw it in. And he's got a screw gun is what he's got. He doesn't have a, a nail yeah. shooter. Yeah, yeah. And I figured that was the way to do it. What are, do you think? Are you talking Rifle? about concrete or over wood? Carpet, right on carpet. Carpet over the top of what? No, he's got carpet all over the top of a wood floor. Just, okay. Uh, yeah, if it's board. a temporary partition with the electrical, the spacing of the outlets and such, there's more to it than that. But, uh, yeah, if you anticipate removing that wall later, uh, frankly, it's a pretty good way to do it. But uh, when, you know, when the carpet gets changed, that carpet will remain underneath the plate. It's not my first, second, right. or third choice, but it can be done without. And, and I, it does need some real tight screws, a lot of flat fasteners to compress yeah. that carpet and that pad. You betcha. Yep, I told him to go ahead and I told him pre-drill the 2 by 4 bottom plate. Uh, just so you can get right into the carpet and go through without actually having a big spin out yeah. and use three and a half inch screws. Yeah. Watch your wiring downstairs and those floor joists too. Yeah. I told them that too. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Jack. Take care. Bye now. Yep. Uh, doable. Uh, we have put up temporary partitions, uh, for example, bisecting a very large master bedroom uh, into two bedrooms, uh, actually uh, left the hardwood and some of the materials under it so that wall could be removed. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a little bit of a different, uh, kind of an odd duck, if you will. Um, so, yeah, it, can, it comes all there are more ways to uh, get her done than just one. CAMWEX Home Improvement, Scott Mosby wrapping up Hour 2 on University of CAMWEX. Thanks for joining. We'll be back.